0: Hello everyone! Welcome to the Common Room Podcast. My name is Ninja and I am your host. And today we have with us the wonderful Sammy. Sammy and I met uh, around two years ago, I would say. Um, uh, We both study environmental science at Wageningen University in the Netherlands. And that's where our journey and friendship began together. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I'm very, very excited to have her. She is uh, an amazing, ambitious student, um uh, friend, sibling, mentor. And yeah, I'm excited to for you guys to hear her story. Thank you so much, Sammy, for being here. Thank
1: you. Yeah, honestly, the honor is mine. I am so excited to be here.
0: So for those of uh you who aren't our friend yet, um mm. maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and yeah, just
1: Yeah, sure. So my name is Sammy, like you said before, Sammy Shem. Um I am 21 years old. Um I am Dutch. Uh I do have a Asian background, so I'm um I'm part of the first generation of my Chinese family that is born in the Netherlands. I identify as cis female and I am so, so excited (laughs) to be here.
0: Okay, super nice. That's really interesting. And um, so what got you interested, uh, because you study environmental science uh, at university. I do. And uh, what got you interested in actually applying to uh, a bachelor's in this field?
1: Yeah, so there is actually one specific moment where I think it kind of all started for me. I remember quite well. So I was sitting in our geography class with my best friend, who is actually also studying here, uh, environmental sciences. Oh, yeah. We went, we went together. Nice. Um, and she has been a, she had been a vegetarian since she was six. Um, so through her, I got introduced to that concept. Um, and then during this geography class. Um, the teacher was actually explaining something about how much water it costs to produce a, like, I don't know, a pound of meat or something like that. And that was kind of the first time that I was exposed to such information, and it was really an eye-opener for me. I think at the time, I was probably like 14-ish. Um, yeah, so I don't know, that just really opened my eyes, and from then onwards, I just started to um, yeah, learn about it more to inform myself.
0: Um, yeah, and that's kind of, I think, where it took off. Nice. And could you maybe walk us through why environmental science, uh, you thought it was the right fit for you, and why Wageningen University was the right fit for you?
1: Um, yeah, so I, I looked into multiple studies that were related to, like, environment and sustainability, um, also one in Utrecht. Um, I think eventually... Why I chose this study was because um, it was really broad. Um, and I, I, at the time, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I still, I'm still not sure <laughs> what I want to do later. Like all of us. <laughs> yeah, like all of us, indeed. Um, so I was just kind of like, okay, so this study will probably just prepare me for anything related to having a sustainable impact um, later in my, in my life. And because it was so broad,
0: I could still, you know, choose different directions. Um, nice, nice. Yeah. You, I know that you're in your third year of your bachelor's degree right now. Yes. Uh, could you maybe talk a little bit about some of the things you've learned in your degree in the classroom? Um, yeah, sure. So in your first year
1: of the bachelor's, you mainly learn about like, uh, like chemistry. You get a lot of um, mathematics, statistics, physics. So it's kind of like the more uh, basic uh, material, I guess. And later on, you choose a major. Um, I chose the major environmental policy and economics. Um, So with that, you learn more about, yeah, literally economics, policy, law, uh, communication, human geography. Yeah, I do have like an overall opinion actually on this bachelor's degree. That is maybe, I, I learned this when I was studying and I actually had a different expectation of mm-hmm. what this study was gonna be when I started um because I really wanted to yeah educate myself um on how to make a real sustainable impact in the world, and that sounds very like idealistic or like I don't know, I'm maybe like that actually i I'm definitely growing more <laughs> into being an idealistic person I know that um so that was like my main reason of choosing this but I must say I was I was actually I am a little disappointed um to be honest because so with this study you really expect it to be about kind of the real world and with like just the accurate situation and the urgency and I expected the study to be a little bit more critical on the world and what is happening in terms of sustainability Um, and I'm really missing that in the study actually Um, so that is something that yeah I don't know I would maybe change about the study but maybe also education in general Um, because if you look at Wageningen University they really promote themselves with where like the green sustainable university even on an international level Um, so I think that should also be reflected a little bit more in the education, because even in environmental sciences, we don't learn that much about what the actual consequences of climate change are, of
0: biodiversity loss are, um, which are just really important topics. That's a really, that's a really interesting <laughs> point. Um, and so how did you try to take this passion that you had outside of? The- yeah, good point. I actually did take it outside of the classroom. <laughs>
1: Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, it started off in my first year, I became a member of the SUSE. The SACI is the Sustainability Committee of my study association. Um, And there it was just, yeah, it was really fun to be in there. We just organized like activities that were centered around like kind of daily life sustainability. Um, So it was more about kind of individual behavior change. Uh, which was really nice to do, but later on... I mean, yeah, as as I've been living here, studying here, developing myself... At some point I also realized that um, it needs to go beyond the individual. So at the end of my first year I was looking around for something else to do. Um, so then I rolled into the GAN. Uh, that stands for Green Active Network Wageningen. Um, and yeah, I actually began my journey... Um, together with a board of SAW which is the student local union and of course I had um, <laughs> the portfolio of sustainability and also inter- internationalization um, that was a really good fit for me um,
0: yeah nice so how did you feel because you worked with these organizations for a year uh, mm-hmm. did you feel like you were actually making an impact in your community um, on a larger scale uh, for yourself individually so what are some of the thoughts going on in your mind SAW is a very young organization. I was the fourth board. Um,
1: and there, I also learned a lot about myself. We had coaches. So I yeah went through a lot of like self-development. Um, and then, especially for my two portfolios, so sustainability and internationalization, like I said before, um, I really tried to listen to what was happening in the city. So rather than me coming up with I don't know a lot of ideas I was trying to respond to what was happening and I'm actually really glad that I did that because it brought me to a lot of interesting places yeah interesting places like um, I think mostly if I look at um, internationalization I think that that is also where kind of my um, activism in anti-racism and discrimination started off um because there were some incidents in Wageningen uh they're still happening um mostly regarding towards the Asian community um so when the first really big incident happened it reached the news and as the student union we well responded to that so i went to the municipality i went um i reached out to a lot of stakeholders and i tried to get everybody together to have a discussion
0: about okay what now? How do we move forward from this? Um, and why did this uh, event occur? Was it in light of the COVID crisis, or uh, were there other factors in play?
1: Uh, yes, I th- I think it was. Well, these this particular incident was related to the COVID uh, COVID virus. Um, it was yeah something that happened in one of the student flats. Um, really linking the Chinese um, nationality to, well, yeah, the COVID-virus. Yeah, and now it's kind of expanding towards the entire
0: Asian community. Um. And so what did that prompt you to do in light of that event?
1: Um, I, last year in um, October or something, I became a member of ARA, ARA Wageningen, it stands for Anti-Racist Association a student who was really affected by this violence actually happening in her community, in her environment, to herself. Um, So she really wanted to do something about it and that is how she got in contact with ARA. And then uh, me and some other members of the association, we kind of uh, helped her to organize this activity. So it was uh, Stop Asian Hate, a movement that came uh, that flew over, just like Black Lives Matter, actually. Um, and in the light of that, we did a, yeah, action protest thingy close by the market square.
0: Where did that come from, that wanting to be a part of the demonstration that actively sought to, like, move the pin or the needle away from racism? Um, so did that come from a place of also your identity and where you're from, or was it a culmination of other factors?
1: Um. I think a combination of factors. I think I I just agree with, you know, the principle or the message of stop Asian hate. I mean, I was also at Black Lives Matters protests. It's not like I'm only going to go to um the anti-racism things that Yeah. that I relate to on a personal level the most. Um so that is just an important topic for me. Um also related to the climate crisis to be honest because yeah, I think, like, climate justice is also social justice. I think there's a lot of things that are intertwined. Um, environmental intersectionality. <laughs> nice, yeah. Um, um, yeah, so for me personally, um, I notice in myself that in the last couple of years, I've grown more and more into my kind of Asian identity that I also have. Um, so I grew up, like, biculturally. My nationality is Dutch. I was born here. Um, but I lived in China when I was very young and I've been there on and off and like I'm the first generation born here, so my um the majority of my family is just um yeah. Like the Chinese culture really lives in our family. Um and I think mainly or not mainly. I think maybe partly of why I have grown into it more and more is because because the racism has been happening to mm. me, like as I grew older, also more. Um, That's not interesting. Just, not necessarily more, but I'm just kind of more aware of it and how wrong it actually is. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm okay. embracing it more now that
0: I'm older. Um, but it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> I guess. And um, yeah, so with this demonstration, did you? Did you feel like you were making a change, making an impact, being on the streets and like getting people to talk about talk about it, talk about a topic that's pretty sensitive and yeah.
1: Mm, yes and no. Okay. Um so for me, like like I said before, the general reason why I was there is because I agree with the principle. Um, but for me on a personal level, um, I really think there is not enough representation of the Asian community just like in the media um, but also just in general um, because I, I notice now that I've been talking about it more recently also with friends I even noticed that my friends are surprised when they hear me say things like I experience racism on a regular basis so that also was really an eye-opener for me because I realized that okay so there's just not enough representation of the Asian-Dutch experience, or even just Asian experience in general. Um, So for me, I wanted to be at that event to represent, and I did talk to people in Dutch about my personal experiences, and people were interested in kind of my perspective and my stories. So in a way, yes, but what actually the end was of almost every conversation that I had, was it is so good that you that you are here. I am really sorry that you are here. But let's be honest, it's not going to change, right? That's what everybody said. And Whoa. in that way, because then what is going through my mind is like, you are right, because institutional racism is still a very big thing in the Netherlands. Um, So indeed, it's not going to be over like anytime soon but i do still think it is important to talk about it and to keep talking about it and to talk about it in a louder manner every step of the way um
0: thank you for sharing that and also speaking in vain with activism and you being out on the streets and talking about things that you're passionate about and things that are true to your value systems um i know that you are a part of extinction rebellion could you maybe tell us a little bit about what exactly extinction rebellion is and does yeah of course so extinction rebellion is a worldwide
1: movement that fights for climate justice um in a way that is maybe a little bit different from the norm um so we use civil disobedience and nonviolent direct actions um, to do this um which may like uh which results in... I don't know rebels uh, gluing themselves
0: to the streets, for example. And to speak a little bit more about sort of the philosophies of extinction rebellion and taking it to the larger debate, um, do you think this movement is integral and necessary um, uh, to save the environment, to save our planet? What are your views on this?
1: I think, well, to me. Um, Extinction Rebellion is a way to kind of do the necessary, um, in a way that, that kind of presses the urgency that there is of, well, yeah, the emergency that we are in, and that is often not recognized, especially not by the government, not by politics, not by the people in power, basically. Um, so... Uh, Do I think Extinction Rebellion is necessary? Yes, in that way, um, because it is a voice that needs to be heard.
0: Yeah. And um, so these are some of the things that you have done on a collective level. So being part of organizations or movements. um, And do you think this is something that's accessible to everyone um, who's interested in fighting for our planet? Do you think people can and should get involved? And is it equally available to everyone to Mm -hmm. actually be involved?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I do think that everybody should be involved. Um, I also know that it is not uh, accessible for everybody, unfortunately. Um, And this is, I guess, where I kind of come back to uh, the point of intersectionality that I was talking about before.
0: Could you maybe explain
1: what that means first? Yeah. Yeah, so... Also, I'm still getting educated about this topic myself, I was kind of recently introduced to this, so I'm not an expert, let me make that clear, Um, but to me, or at least how I would define it is um, basically that a lot of the bigger problems that we have are actually intertwined with each other in terms of the causes as well as the consequences. so, like I said before, climate injustice is also social injustice because um, where the negative consequences of the climate of like the climate crisis is felt the most is um, you know on the southern southern half of the world, where the people are actually the least
0: responsible for causing it, um, which is of yeah social injustice. Do you think it's accessible to everyone yeah, uh, for people who would like to get involved? In being a part of organizations and movements like this?
1: Um, I think, I mean, yes and no again. So, yes, because the movements are open for everybody. But the thing is, um, not everybody is able to to join from a personal perspective. Um, Because, especially, I will link it to racism um, a, a, a bit in this way, because sometimes you are more occupied with just being able to, I don't know, uh, put bread on the table um, more so because you are so kind of held back by society because of the way you look. And this also counts for other marginalized groups, not only for people of color, um, that you are not able to, you know, even get to the thought of, oh, maybe I should do something about um, the climate crisis in the greater good of everybody when I cannot even take good care of myself Um, and I think that just has a lot to do with the social inequalities that we have in
0: our society nowadays. Okay that's really interesting and um, yeah so one of the reasons why I started this podcast was to really understand what being an environmentalist entails Um, and I think um, it was really important for me to talk to you because of all the different things you do, and how you have defined this role in yourself. Um, So on an individual level, what are some things you can do or you do that you think are making an impact for a more conscious lifestyle? Um, And do you think that um, you're actually changing, making a change? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So... um... So kind of the story
1: where it began, my friend who who was at the time a vegetarian for a very long time. Um, so I also started that journey. Um, I became, well, actually, I think from that moment onwards, I told my mom, I, I remember this, we were sitting at the kitchen table. I was, I think, 15 or something. And I told my mom, I want to become a vegetarian. And she told me, like, that's fine by me, but do it when you're 18 because <laughs> she was like not about to like you know keep my diet into account in the house because like chinese family meat fish it's everywhere totally <laughs> so i did it well i was i became a flexitarian anyways um despite of what she said um and i actually became a vegetarian when i was 17 um and i became a vegan when i was 19 um and now i'm still a vegan Um, So that is one thing that I do. And indeed, while living in Wageningen, it's kind of a bubble. It's, oh, and that's also, I don't know, I think just the, the atmosphere and kind of the mindset of the people who are here just really kind of attracts to me. So it's kind of easier as well here too live that more um, sustainable lifestyle because we also have like this new zero waste supermarket that opened recently. Um, So I try to shop um, zero waste as much as possible. Um, Of course, I try to avoid food waste. Um, I stopped buying uh, new clothes or like fast fashion when I was, I think, 18 or something. Um, So now I just don't do it anymore. I don't have a driver's license. <laughs> that is um maybe um yeah, n- not really the norm for somebody my age or at least uh the majority of my of my network, uh they do all do have driver's license, but I I consciously chose to not to not get it. Um yeah. Okay. Nice.
0: Those are some of the things, I guess. Wow, really interesting. And um also Again coming back to this whole idea of the environmentalist and the environment and to the environmentalist that you are um how do you see yourself moving forward now that you're coming closer to towards the end of your um academic journey uh what are your plans for the future
1: well talk the future is now really like taking off which is really really exciting
0: could you explain to um, us what talk the future is
1: oh yeah so talk the future is um it was kind of a seed that grew out of um, what I was doing with SAW. So I was actually approached by um, by a friend who was who we ran into each other in the supermarket. It was Corona times, um, and he was like, "Oh, Sammy, I really, really uh, want to talk to you about something." And then he just kind of pitched me the idea that he already had. Um, so Talk the Future is basically about provoking systemic sustainable change within businesses Um, and it resonates with what i said before that i think there's a really big part that should be done by um, bigger institutions and you know like people like actors who have a way bigger impact than the individual Um, so through encouraging um, creative dialogues um, and brainstorms um, and informing employees, employers about the uh, climate and ecological crisis. We try to bring forward um, yeah, creative, innovative ideas to, in a systemic way, um, improve the business. So instead of talking about um, maybe we should put solar panels on your roof, we're talking about how can we make your process more cradle-to-cradle, for example. It's just to make it a bit more concrete. And yes, of course, if the company doesn't have solar panels already, of course they should get them, but that is more the low-hanging fruit. So we really try to um, look more into the systemic side of it.
0: Okay, very interesting. And um, so do you want to take Dr. Future further as you uh, go ahead into the next years?
1: Yeah, so at the end of this academic year, uh, in about one and a half months' months time, we have our very first pilot. Um, Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, And then we're now already recruiting for our second pilot phase, which is going to be next academic year, in the beginning of the year. So Talk of the Future will definitely be something that I'm going to continue. Um, And next to that, I'm still a member of ARA. I
0: plan to still be active with Extinction Rebellion. Um, As someone who's been doing this for a couple of years, and who's been studying this full-time, what is some advice you would give to other people?
1: Okay, my main advice is that there are many different ways in which you can educate yourself. So, if you want to get involved, or, like, if you want to do something with sustainability in your life, you really don't have to study environmental sciences or study with the word sustainability in it whatsoever. Um, because in my idealistic view, I would like to see that sustainability is a concept that is just um, integrated in all aspects of society. So, also, if you look at kind of the stereotype that sustainability and green is very much a left-wing party thing. Um, I think that is just also a misconception, or at least I wish that it was a misconception. Um, Yeah, so I would say you can educate yourself. Maybe you have some people in your network who are already more informed than you are. Talk about it, honestly, with your friends. That is a really good way to learn and a really good way to also kind of motivate each other and interest each other into getting into the movement um, or just changing your lifestyle. Um, And yeah, I guess maybe just there's probably there are also uh, like news platforms that focus more on. um, Well, actually, in my opinion, there are too little of those. Um, also, didn't, sorry. <laughs> now I'm gonna like bash again, but like, go ahead. Often, often in the news, the the climate crisis is not like portrayed in the way that it should be, in my opinion, um, with the urgency and the scientific facts are missing a little mm. bit, and a lot of it is actually not um, mm. not published at all. It's just kind of muffled away, Mm -hmm. which is very harmful because, in that way, the
0: government is not actually informing her citizens. So, actually, in the same vein, um, what do you think is the importance of uh, media, actually, and importance of places and media spaces like Common Room and podcasts like this? What do you think their role is in the environmental movement? And
1: yeah, yeah. um, What I think their role is is to accurately inform, I guess. And of course accurately inform is subjective in itself. Um as social media is very subjective in itself. Um but for example, like I do think that at least the um like the national or governmental uh news platforms should be like at least objective about the real facts and the effects of Um, the climate and the ecological crisis and should not portray a um, heat wave that is caused by climate change as, oh, it's super sunny early in the year, let's go to the beach, (laughs) you know, that type of stuff. Um, So I think they play a very important role in framing how people perceive um, the climate and ecological crisis. And already you hear me say the word crisis a lot because that is actually what we are in but a lot of the times
0: it is not portrayed as that uh thank you for that uh and i would like to thank you once again for being on this podcast and for sharing your story i think um uh, it was very beneficial uh to me especially and hopefully to all our listeners uh to hear your story and to hear where you fit into this movement and where they could fit into this movement Um, if you would like to know more about Sami and her initiatives um, please check out our instagram page um, at common room org Uh, and over there you can also find a link to our website with the featurette for this podcast episode uh, as well as information about Sami and all the things that she's doing and initiatives that she's involved in Um, thank you once again for listening and i hope to see you again for episode two